Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambutasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambutasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambutasa Udang dhammang sanghang namasami Isn't it great when you can have a time when your mind doesn't actually snag on anything? You know, it doesn't leap up and tussle with what's going on or try and push it one way or another or, you know, cringe and withdraw from it. You know, our mind can actually be open to let things kind of come through without any sort of pushing or clinging or fighting or blaming or trembling, dreading. Yeah. Sometimes it happens for a minute or two. <laughs> Sometimes longer. <laughs> you know. And to me actually you know, when it's actually done with, with some clarity, not not just because one's too kind of numbed out to really care anymore. <laughs> Which is what often people resort to. You know, just kind of lower the bar so you don't care, you know, and then you let it all flow over. But what's it like to be actually clear, clear, sensitive, you know, feeling all the kind of energies and the, the kind of, you know, the uncertainty of the moment, and yet have that, that the mind trembling. Mm. Yeah. To me, this is certainly one of the aims of meditation. I always enjoy meditation. I don't always enjoy it, but I appreciate going through the work of it because it does kind of tend to gradually point out places where my mind is too tight or not not tuned up enough, snagging, holding on, or pushing, trying to make things work, or you know, trying to plan something in advance that isn't happening now, speculating about the future, trying to figure out what everybody else is doing, why, setting other people straight, setting myself straight, you know, until it's like you just keep knocking up against these bits till something you start to <laughs> say, this is not this is not a winning ticket, this is not a you know, this isn't gonna work. And you do have a choice, you know. You, kind of, you realize somehow there's always this consciousness which is just the sense of everything's happening we're, we're conscious of. You know. Consciousness doesn't, just kind of receptive. You know. And then, you know, so, but then out of that arises feelings, preferences, liking, disliking, and then functioning. You know, so you get these kind of functions come out of that. Functions arise out of consciousness, which are all very important. The problem is sometimes the functions are there before the consciousness is. <laughs> you know, that is instead of really receiving anything and just, you know, going to that kind of almost the baseline of what it is to be here, just a sense that we're here and we're, you know, something's happening. And that's pretty amazing. We're programmed into already having a set of 
drives and functions and plans and you know notions of how it should be happening and that proceeds or sometimes occludes get in the way of, of just being re- receptive you know? partly because of course as human beings we are very much conditioned into making things work creating order setting things up for, other, for ourselves for others some, not necessarily for bad reasons often for very good reasons you know so we've kind of always pro you know leaning a bit forward you know and that's the way of the world isn't it you know you get to lean forward and then not just lean forward but run forward so everybody's leaning running forward to get the functioning going yeah you see what you've got people in towns and cities you know nobody's actually just opening to the present moment everybody's rushing forward driven forward Sights, sounds, thoughts, you know, gears running in their heads tomorrow, next day, and so on. And it's uh, it's very powerful conditioning because that's the way we get, you know, success and, of course, breakdowns. <laughs> you know, because it's, it's, uh, it's a dangerous one to ride too long. People crack up. So meditation is like a chance to actually, you know, come back into the beauty of just being, being present here. And just start to, you know, not to deny functions or to deny making choices, but just to sort of come back to realizing we're here already. And then what really, where do the good choices, the good functions, where's the good shaping up? How does that arise? Yeah, yeah we're going to shape our lives. What actually do you want? To, what do you want to be living with? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, in you know, in the, the eightfold path, you start off with these factors of right view and right intention. Yeah. So, right view. You know, it's just this. Uh, Recognizing you know, that we will have tremendous potential for our own welfare. It's there already. There's potential for the good. We're always going to be doing something, even with an inclination of thought. You know, we're very creative. There's no hurry. It's going to happen. You don't have to you know, and uh, to be a little bit like choosy. What's really, you know, what's the good? What's the best to come from? And these aren't these aren't good ideas. And it's the problem, you know, with even with these teachings, is we get the i you know I'm talking in ideas now. But really the right intention is not an idea. It's a movement. It's, an, it's a, a kind of set, setting for the heart. As we all know, you know, human beings are great ideas people. And you see, you know, people get kind of some nice plan of where it's going to be. 
you know, which we've done for centuries. And uh, well, we look at it, results, some good, and a lot of harm. So our ideas are always much smaller you know, than the quality of heart, which is where real intention comes from. It's a sense of, you know, it's, a, it's a soft, vaguer feeling. It's not very clear, but it's the sense of uh, warm-heartedness, receptivity, kindness, compassion, simplicity. It's a very pure, gentle quality, right intention. This is kind of, you might say, the foothold or the basis of heart to come from, you know, where you feel most complete, not, you know, not driven by ideas, but just feel comfortable in yourself. You know, you feel most comfortable in yourself. It sounds so ineffective. But actually, that, you know, whereas you get some great idea, brilliant, flashing, bright idea of how you're going to set everything straight, you know, this, that, and that. it's really quite strong. And whereas the sense of vague sense of just kind of warm heartedness, mutuality, tenderness, compassion, non violence, not pushing. And simplicity, you know, just not demanding lots of things. This is, I find, where I feel most complete in myself, most uh, enjoy myself, enjoy my mind. Not want to have great ideas. Which are a bit like alcohol for me. You know, I just hit a few few bottles of ideas and get pretty, pretty sloshed. Just to come down, that's why I really like being in a forest monastery, just go out and be with the trees. They've got no ideas at all. And they're just really, really fine. Mm. You know, we come into a situation like, like this, where naturally there's a sense of, you know, we want to do the right things, you know, live a good life, we want to produce uh, uh, clarity uh, or, you know, great ideas. And you could be always be aware of, of uh, getting the ideas happening before the, the real quality of warm-heartedness, openness and gentleness occurs. Remember, um, Last year, somebody gave us a hop plant. If you know hops, they like to they creep. They like to run up things and you know like to run up poles normally. Somebody gave us this thing, so I planted it down by a, one of the columns at the end of the walkway. You know, you have this pergola, you have these uprights. So I plant it by this this upright, and this this hop will then grow up it. So I planted it there, I got some well, someone to plant it there. Things started growing. Oh, great, okay, I put some wire out so as it could find a wire to hang on to. And it got its tendril up and it got round the wire. Very good. Then it went the wrong way. I wanted it to go to the right and it went to the left. Because on the right to the right was this nice big column. It could you know, wooden 
wooden beam it could climb up. And to the left there wasn't one. So I carefully unwound it and wound it to the right. Next day I found it had unwound itself and gone back to the left. <laughs> okay. So I thought, well no, this is actually for your good. There's a nice wooden beam for you to grow up. So I unwound it carefully, wound it round to the left, kind of hooked it around the, the beam that I wanted it to go around. Next day it unhooked itself, it's gone off to the left. So I thought, this plant needs help. <laughs> so I, I wound it round to the right, and I've got a staple. <laughs> I didn't actually you know, stick the staple through the plant, the staple, as you know, so I just clipped it so it would actually be held there in place for its own good. Uh, it died. <laughs> I looked this year and all the bits I've kind of tried to train has all died. But there's lovely green shoots coming up in other places. I thought, just let it do what it wants to do. <laughs> you know, and this is a really good when you're trying to think about training people. <laughs> It's a really important little lesson to bear in mind because we do have, you know, we come to this situation, suddenly there's a whole, quite a lot of training rules and, and things that hope the idea is to create a nice sense of, uh, you know, we're all going the same directions and standards that, you know, mean people aren't, you know, knocking against each other. Um, it's clean, it's simple, it's, you know, and it aims towards Nibbana. You know, and that's, that's true. It's the right idea. And it's not the wrong idea. It's the right idea. And I'm sure that we all want that. And yet actually working with one's own mind, and certainly working with other people, you realize it's a bit like that hot plant. You know? Yeah, it's going to grow. It's going to grow up. It's going to grab hold of something and twist around. Exactly when and how and which way is, you know, better wait and see. Just keep giving the right kind of quality of encouragement, the right space, the right warmth, the right amount of time. Indicate, you know, (laughs) there's the the way you can go if you want. (laughs) And, uh, you know, keep, keep the rabbits from destroying the thing, you know. So it's a bit like here we try to just take away the things that are really damaging and dangerous for people. You know. So right right intention is actually is a lot requires quite a lot of faith because right intention doesn't actually produce anything, doesn't get results, isn't really aimed at getting results, it's aimed at setting up a particular environment of heart, in which the best things that can come forth at this time will come forth. They may not be the perfect or the best ideas, or the, as good as it can be right now. And you keep realizing all of us have to do our learning. You know? So you, you, it's like, you know, 
right intention doesn't actually tell you specifically how to act in any situation, but it gives you the basis to do your learning, to make the mistakes, to get the feedback, to not feel disappointed, not hate yourself, to not resent other people, you know, to not push or nag or fret or worry or, or be idealistic. And then, you know, you say, well, you just have to kind of knock around and learn. You know? Find which bits don't work in terms of function, in terms of um, things like speech even, action. Mm. What's useful speech? You know, you can get an idea of it, you know, and create tremendously beautiful ideas of wise, gentle, harmonious, but, you know, to, to actually have the real thing happening. Yeah. It's going to be different for different people. But what you find, well, that's what I find, if, is that, you know, whatever the finished product is, there's a heart result in the one has no regrets. There's no snagging. There's no uh, inner tyrant. Mm. You know, when we proceed, when we get the idea first, and we don't really, you know, connect it to the heart. Something's always, there's a certain tension. Something's always kind of, should be this way, should be that way, complaining about, no, you didn't get that right, you didn't do that right, you should have said this, you didn't say that, you said too much, you didn't say enough, try next time. You know? So even when the idea is right, it doesn't feel right anymore. Because it doesn't have the quality of right intention doesn't mean your intentions are wrong. It just means a lot of the time you don't even really know what the intention is. You don't even know what's happening in the heart. There's just the, the, the kind of feeling one should get it right. One should do the good. One should make it work. One should have things happen. And that's so very strong conditioning, you know, be leaning forward into results rather than resting back into the source from which modest results will start to grow and find their way to be you know what we can be with what we can bring forth what is harmonious what actually leaves our own minds our own hearts free from stress free from hurt free from worry mm. Some people say you can't really help anybody else. I don't know about that. But I don't think you can, you know, it's always got to be a sense of, as in helping others, one is, I'm helping myself. I don't actually miss myself out of the picture. You know, So if I'm getting wound up, trying to set it real straight, even if I've got all the right ideas in the world, that's not helping me. 
It sounds kind of selfish, doesn't it? You know, but actually, it, it's just real because there is somebody here. <laughs> you know, and so the reality is that there is an, an inner sense and there's an outer function. When the two meet, someone is actually truly in harmony with oneself and what one says and does. You're not trying to be the best, make it work, but just bring forth the best one can. That sense of helping yourself by not not setting up, you know, perfect, perfected ideals, but actually real quality heart intentions. Then everything we do certainly helps ourselves because it strengthens that, reminds us of that, keeps us with ourselves. We don't lose ourselves in terms of projects and functions and making things work. Mm -hmm. So to remember oneself as one remembers others, to attend to oneself as one attends to others. Mm. There's something rather marvellous about that quality of... This is Dhamma to me. In that it's holistic. It means, well, I can't step outside it and figure it out. I've just got to actually enter into that with what I have right now. Trust that. I haven't got a strategy or a plan. There's definitely an aspiration. There's definitely a recognition that as one thinks, speaks, talks, moves, interacts, certain powerful causes, powerful effects can happen for good, for bad. There's an aspiration they be for the good. And so oh, just keeping that in mind you know, means that it seems to me that the best that can happen begins to grow. You know? Like when you look at the example of the Buddha, life of the Buddha, who's, you know, supreme example, great teacher, you know. And yet you recognize when you study the scriptures, so many times people didn't get what he was talking about, didn't like what he was talking about. Sometimes he wouldn't say anything, there's no point. Uh, People would argue with him or just stomp off. It wasn't like everyone was a winner. <laughs> you know? I always try to remember that. That uh, so many of his, you know, didn't work. Sangha was always fighting, squabbling with each other. Not, not continually, but there was that going on. That was part of it. People with kings were killing each other. You know? People were plotting against him. So yeah, you know, you, you bring forth what you can. 
It's like uh, right a couple of times, you know, I noticed particularly, you know, in this, this uh, right towards the end of his life, when the the king Ajata Satu wanted to wage war on the, the Vajian people. The Vajians were people that the Buddha admired very much because they had a kind of democratic system which he seemed to feel was the most optimal for human wisdom and human benevolence and mutuality. You know, the people shared and worked things out in common. This is how he set up Sangha. So he admired this this republic and this king sent an envoy to said, How can we how can we destroy these people? <laughs> you know? And the Buddha said, Well, hmm. Just took the question very levelly. Didn't start saying, you know, this is evil doing, because he realised that wasn't going to get anywhere. He just said, "No, you can't destroy these people because they they meet together in harmony. They discuss their matters in harmony. They conclude their business in harmony. You can't destroy these people uh, because they revere their shrines. They, re- they have standards and values they respect. You can't destroy these people." You know, they they look after their women folk. You can't. These are these are people who don't abuse women. You can't. You can't destroy these people. These are people who look after um, sages and enlightened beings. You can't destroy these people. So as long as they keep these, you never destroy them. You know, it's just that sense of just saying straight. You know, rather than. Um, lecturing the person or you know trying to defend anybody instead of telling the truth and uh, yeah they say it was true so that they didn't destroy the people until the people the Vajians fell out with themselves and, and failed to meet in harmony and failed to meet together and failed to conduct their business in harmony then the whole thing split and they were destroyed yeah but, you know, something like meeting in harmony, discussing your business in harmony, getting to the end of your business in harmony, you know, that takes more than having a strong idea of the, what the conclusion is going to be, isn't it? You know, you come with some plan, this is the agenda. But to say the most important thing is that here we stay with our right intention. And we're not clear which way it's going to go right now. Decision, this, decision, that. I don't know. Just... The most important thing is that we stay in harmony and then trust that what will arise out of that will be the best function that there can be at this particular situation. And if we meet in harmony, we don't mind having another meeting the next day <laughs> to take it another day further. Instead of, oh God, what a meeting that was, you know. <laughs> Which is what tends to happen, you know. Most of the meetings I go to, <laughs> you know, stacked up with functions that you've got to get through. But actually the real sense of just enjoying each other's presence and basing yourselves in that, you know, not because the people are wrong, bad, but just because so often that's the way of our world. You know, the function, you know, the need for a conclusion overrides the quality of the present. So we can fall into two extremes. One is that the present you don't function at all, just going to sit back and go, 
everything's fine with me. It's all just conditioned phenomena anyway. Yeah. Which, yeah, okay, so who's going who's gonna to take the food to the pig farm, you know? <laughs> or the other extreme, you've got some kind of blueprint for humanity the proper way of what, what kind of bucket and what colour it should be and who takes it and what kind of food pigs most like to eat, you know. But the bringing the two together, that's right. That's the beauty of right, in, of right intention. You do recognise there is a, a functioning world, a functioning level of reality. But we know how to come into that rather than be dragged into it. Yeah. Rather than be have the thing all sewn up before we even start, this is a really important thing. Yeah. I think last year we had a, we're going to have these sessions of sangha meetings uh, in the next few days. Yeah. And we have, sometimes for the monks, we have a meeting for just the terrors, which means monks of ten reigns. Or, and then we also have a elders' meetings, which means the kind of bosses, if you like. <laughs> the dons. <laughs> which is much more administrative, you know. Uh, I think the nuns also have the Terry's meeting and then they have an all-nuns meeting and they have a kind of these various levels of meetings. And the Terry's meeting is really quite interesting because it isn't about any forming decisions. We never really figured out what it's about. We just felt we should have one. <laughs> so often you sort of sit there and people start to think, oh, no, what are we going to do with this? There's an agenda. Nobody's got any ideas. Nobody's got any topics. Or when somebody does have a topic, think, oh God, why didn't he shut up? You know, because somebody's got a bee in their bonnet and they've got this thing about cheese or sitting cloths or something, they've got some real thing going and everybody just sits there kind of gritting their teeth waving to shut up. <laughs> and last year was really pleasant because we had this meeting and nobody could think any particular topics at all. And we just sat there, you know. And then the person who was chairing it said, "Well, let's have a just have a go around, you know." And there's all these, so, okay, just what's happening for you? And people come up with various bits and pieces. Some of it fairly short, you know, ten words, twenty words, five minute declarations. People saying they don't like meetings at all, or you know, people leave me alone, or <laughs> and just sitting there, and just kind of letting this thing great by about after about three or four hours. You know, it starts to feel everything really settled. You know, it's like the, the thing had actually formed. It actually formed. It came into a form. People actually were, you know, often you see people at meetings with their eyes closed or looking at the floor or looking out the window. You know, this is a bad sign. <laughs> but actually, it was sitting there with their eyes open. And there's this very pleasant, gentle, warm feeling. And but you know, the meeting was supposed to go until so it started at like about eight in the morning. We had a break in the middle of the day, supposed to finish at five. 
by about four o'clock, we actually got round to having a topic to talk about. You know, it took that long to get a topic going. And the topics were just kind of, you know, how to teach Dhamma or something like that, you know. But it was really pleasant. And for most of the time, it's actually getting a pl- finding the place where the, the sense of heart, right intention could arrive, you know, to just be together. And nobody was having a big issue. Nobody's trying to dominate anything. Nobody's trying to get out of the room. <laughs> it was so pleasant. We thought, oh, we'll have another meeting the next day. So we did. Uh, nothing, you know, we just sat around. But just a sense of, you know, the, the amount of time it's needed to actually bring the heart, you know, into the room. Not somewhere buried back in one's own mind, meditation, actually to bring it out. And it wasn't like people were kind of gushing out. It was just as a gentle, friendly, quiet openness to each other. Ah, right intention has arrived, you know. If we've actually found a place. And that, look, that's a major achievement. Because I was thinking about, I don't know how many years of Terra's meetings. This was the about the first time it happened. <laughs> Not because people are bad, by any means at all, but people kind of approach a meeting with a, right, let's sort this out, let's get that talked about, I've got a thing going about this, we need to make a decision about that, we've got to get on with this, you know, and that comes in, you know, and so we sits there, oh God, you know, and, uh, and so, the, you know, you make some decisions, of course, Five weeks after we made decisions, everybody's changed their minds anyway. You know, decisions have fallen apart because people wouldn't know it was there in the first place. <laughs> so, although one can, in fact, make all kinds of decisions, all kinds of great statements, all kinds of great ideas, all kinds of, this is the way it's going to be. It's but like that hot plant. You see by the end of the week, which bits have died, which bits are growing green, then you start to realise maybe less ideas and more listening is needed here. (laughs) Anyone? Oh. Uh-huh.